calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mystery Theater presents... This is Christopher Lee, the host of Mystery Theatre. Some roles are identified with a single actor. Others have been played by a succession of leading men, as if in search of the perfect fit. One such character is Simon Templer, the creation of novelist Leslie Charteris. Known as the Robin Hood of modern crime, the saint has been portrayed by George Sanders, Tom Conway, Brian Ahern, Roger Moore and Val Kilmer, among many, including our star for this incarnation, the inimitable Vincent Price. Following this witty caper, we'll hear a tale of pure horror from Murder at Midnight, and then, to cap it off, the great Agnes Moorhead stars in Suspense, but first, The Saint, after these words. Welcome back to Mystery Theatre. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Vincent Price stars now as the saint in The Baseball Murder. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor, Vincent Price as The Saint. 
Going to the ball game, huh, Mr. Templer? It's a great day for it. Didn't know you was fond of baseball. You fond of baseball, Mr. Templer? Yes, indeed, Louis. You know, I, I should have gone in for baseball instead of becoming a cab jockey. Grown men getting paid thousands of dollars for tossing a little ball around two hours a day. Can you beat it, can you, Mr. Templer? I'm asking you, can you beat it? Louis, I... Baseball, you can't beat it. Now, I'd like to live in a town where they got major league ball. The Blue Sox here is all right, but it's minor league. You think we'll ever get a big league ball in this town, Mr. Templer? I see you think we'll ever get big league ball, Mr. Templer. You can't quiet today, Mr. Templer. My silence, friend Louis, is purely comparative. Oh. Well, since you're not feeling well, it's good you're taking the afternoon off. Been reading about that father and son of the Blue Sox, lefty and Phil Miller? They're rather interesting. Supposedly the first time in baseball, father and son have played on the same team. Yeah, yeah. The old man just down from the majors and the kid on his way up. Old Lefty was great in his day, though, and the kid will be great, too. They both playing today, Louie? Neither one. Phil ain't doing a pitch till tomorrow, and the old man's got a game leg. Won't even be in uniform. That's what goes first in baseball, Mr. Templer, the legs. In my line of work... I know, I know. Mr. Templer, you know something funny? There's rumors out about the Blue Sox. What kind of rumors, Louie? The rumors say the Sox are going to do business. Lose a ball game that maybe they should win. Oh, nonsense, Louie. Baseball is honest. You know that. Maybe so, but it's still got to be played by humans. Eh, you'd better step on it, my cynical friend. We're late. Sure, Mr. Templer. Most likely nothing to the rumors anyway. You know how it is driving a cab. You pick up all sorts of things. Me, it don't do no good to pick nothing up. I'm married. Hey. <laughs> Did you hear that, Mr. Templer? I said, me, it don't do no good to pick nothing up. I'm... I heard, Louie. I heard. Pretty funny, huh? Louie, take me out to the ball game. Uh, hello, Lefty. Thanks for coming, Saint. Sit down, sit down. Thanks. I hope I'm not late. No, the game won't start for another ten minutes. Oh. How's the leg, Lefty? That's improving, Saint. How's crime? It stays about the same, always with us. <laughs> yeah, that it is, that it is. Blue Sox gonna win today? You know something, Saint? I don't much care. Oh, don't get me wrong. When I'm in there myself, I play to win. Because that's the only way I know. But after the majors, you don't get very excited over the Blue Sox. Uh, I guess not. Now I'm just playing out the string. What comes after that, I don't know. A manager's job? Uh, no chance. I was too busy spending my money while the smart boys were learning the inside of the game. But I had fun, I guess. Did you? Nah. Saint, there's only one thing in baseball I care about. There's only one thing in the world I care about. He's sitting across the field in the dugout wearing number 33. My son. Mm, I hear Phil's a great pitcher, Lefty. Uh, he's good. He'll be great. He's going up next year. Maybe this. Here, take a look at him through the binoculars. Hmm. Yes. He looks like you, Lefty. You really think so? Yeah. Saint, I'm worried sick about him. That's why I asked you. I know, that's why I'm here. What are you worried about? Well, I think they're after him, Saint. The crowd with the dirty money's after him. I never handle any dirty money, but I've been around it and I can smell it. I can smell it now. What does Phil say? Have you talked to him? I can't talk to him. Maybe you've read in the papers about our wonderful father and son relationship, huh? <laughs> the kid hates me. How come, Lefty? He was brought up by his mother, and he was brought up to hate me. I got a divorce from her when the kid was two years old. I gave her a raw deal. He should hate me. 
You say you smell dirty money. Do you have anything else to go on, Lefty? Rumors and a girl. No, I, I take that back. A woman. Hey, take another look through the glasses, Saint. She's sitting in the box behind Phil, bending over to talk to him. She's there every day. Yes. Yes, indeed. Perhaps I should have taken up baseball. Well, that's just it. Does a, does a woman who's got what she has go for a 21-year-old kid just because he plays baseball good? Ordinarily, no. But she's got Phil hooked so hard and so deep I hurt all over for him. He thinks it's romance. What do you think it is? I don't know. Not exactly. Saint, could you... Could you see if you could find out? I can try. What's her name, Lefty? Diane Courtney. She's staying at the Regent, same hotel the ball club puts up at. I happened to hear the kid making a cocktail date with her there for six this evening. Good. You see if you can get him delayed a few minutes. I will. Find out what she's trying to do, Saint. Find out who's in back of her. If they spoil that kid, I'll... They won't. They won't, Lefty. Thanks, Saint. And if there's anything I can ever do... Don't worry about it. In fact, I'm looking forward to meeting Miss Courtney. I'm sure we'll have a lot in common. Baseball and... (laughs) Well, we'll find something. Mind if I sit down here? The bar seems to be rather crowded. Is it that crowded? As a matter of fact, it was crowded the minute you walked in. Mm, sit down. Thank you. But I am waiting for someone. He might be late. That's very true, but he won't be. Hey, what are we drinking, martinis? You say so. Waiter, two martinis, extra dry. Yes. I see that you're a devotee of the national pastime. That could very well be. Which national pastime? Hmm. I saw you at the ball game today. Yes, I go every day. Business or pleasure? What's that supposed to mean? Baseball is a business for some. Here you are, sir. Oh, thank you, waiter. Uh, let's drink to uh, pleasure. Let's just drink. I found that you run out of toasts long before you run out of drinks. <laughs> a comment on human frailty. Well, what is it you want, friend? I appreciate your frankness. It's one of your concealed assets. I'd like some answers about Phil Miller. Who are you? Don't you know? No. I'm the man who wants the answers about Phil Miller. Shall I start asking questions? Phil just came in. We can't talk now. Come up to my room in 15 minutes, 808. Will you? I need help. Believe me, I need help. Say, I thought we had a date, Diane, or was I wrong? Uh, my friend's just leaving, Phil. And I don't care for your tone. Oh, I... Well, I'm sorry, Diane. I just thought that... Well, don't. Remember, I don't care for the jealousy routine. You're too young for it. Yeah. Okay, Diane. Well, it's been charming, but I have a cab waiting, so I'll see you again. Definitely. Yes, definitely, Diane. Call you a cab, sir? Oh, thank you. I have one waiting. Hey, here he is. Wait till, Mr. Templer. Nowhere, Louie. I have a date in the hotel here in 15 minutes. You got a friend? I'm afraid not. Uh, I'm just dreaming. Louie, I'm not absolutely convinced about the purity of the lady's intentions. This is a cause for complaint? You misinterpret. Come up to room 808, 10 minutes or so after I go up and uh, knock on the door. I get you. But if I shouldn't happen to need a cab at that particular time... I'm ahead of you. There's times in everybody's life when the least thing he needs is a taxi. Louis, that's spoken like a philosopher.
Oh, come in. Come in quickly. Someone may see Someone's you. Someone's already seen him. Frank. Go ahead in, Jack. And I'm right behind you with something that resents any quick moves. You sneak up behind people pretty quietly, Frank. Used to be in a girl guides. Shut the door, Diane. But... Shut it. Now... My nosy friend here and me has business. I didn't tell the saint anything, Frank. I just... The boss don't like nosy guys like the saint. I don't like nosy guys like the saint. Let him alone, Frankie. What good will beating him up do? The boss's orders. Besides, my analyst tells me beating up nosy guys I don't like is a good way of working out my aggressions. Your analyst? What's the matter? I can't get analyzed. What does your analyst say about you carrying a gun? Didn't he point out this is an artificial prop to your otherwise charming personality? Oh, you could. My analyst says I shouldn't get insulted at remarks by neurotics. You think I'm a neurotic? If you ain't now, Jack, you will be when I finish. Fight! Oh, don't fall down yet, Saint. I got more for you before I let go. How do you want that? No. Oh, stop it, Frank! Stop it! Hey. Okay. Uh, darn it, I shouldn't have got mad. My analyst says I shouldn't let my emotions color my business life. Mr. Templer. Mr. Templer. Oh. Oh, Louis. Mr. Templer, are you all right? Should I call a doctor? Oh, no, no. I'm all right, I, I guess. Ooh. What happened, Mr. Templer? I knocked on the door just like you said. When nobody answered, I come in. You was on the floor. You're still on the floor. Yeah, and I think I'll stay here. Ooh, ooh. Got myself worked over, Louis, by a psychoanalytical muscle boy. Oh, he sure gave you some beautiful lumps. Yeah. Real neat professional job. Mm. Hey, what's this business card in your chest, yours? No. Uh-uh, let's see. Hmm. Huh. Frankie must have put it there. This is part of the warning, I guess. What's it say? It says, the, uh, the fixer, I fix anything. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, what you'd call modest, is he? No, but fixers rarely are. Look, I, I think we better have a doctor spray you with some mercurochrome. No, Louie, I'm going to be too busy sleeping. trying evening. Look, I've been finding out things. Things about the crowd with the dirty money. And who the head of it is. You mean who the fixer is? Yeah. I found out what they're trying to get from the kid, from Phil. Can you meet me here at the hotel? Half an hour. Good. In the bar. I'm going after some more dope now. You better wait until I get there, Lefty. They're rough boys. Uh, I know. But don't worry about me. See you in half an hour. Waiter, another Johnny Walker over ice, please. Yes? Thanks. Look, you're Simon Templer, aren't you? The one they call the saint? Sit down, Phil. I'm not sitting down. I've got some things to tell you. I've heard that you've been asking questions about me, and I can guess who sent you. It was my father. Look, isn't it kind of late for you, Phil? You're supposed to pitch tomorrow. I don't need anybody to run my life for me. You or my father either. 
Where is he? Well, I was to meet him here, but he hasn't shown up yet. Most likely up in his room. All right, come on. Let's go up and see him. I want to straighten you both out together. Do you know what room he's in? Sure. 908. Right come with on. you, Phil. All right. Oh, waiter. Yes? Uh, hold that drink for me. I'll be back for it sooner or later. Dad, open up. I want to talk to you. Doesn't look like your father is in. Try the door. It's open. The light's on. But there's no... Dad! Dad! Look, I told you not to look. He shot himself. Why? Why? He's dead, Phil, and there's a gun in his hand, but he didn't pull the trigger. What are you trying to prove? Who did? Mr. Templer. Uh, Regent Hotel, Louis Inn. Good morning. Good morning. Say, I read in the papers this morning about Lefty Miller. Oh, tough. Why do you think he did it, Mr. Templer? He didn't. The police can buy the suicide theory for the time being, but it was murder, Louis. A friend of mine was murdered last night, and today things are going to be done about it. What are you going to do with the Regent? I'm going back to the young lady's room where I had such an interesting time last evening. This time I'd better go with you. Yeah, perhaps you'd better, Louie. And I'm hiring you for the whole afternoon. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Lefty was a great ball player, Mr. Templer. Seen him in the World Series once at Yankee Stadium. Hard to believe he's dead. A man can be killed in a lot of ways, Louie. He can be killed fast or he can be killed through what happens to his son. I'm glad at least that didn't happen to Lefty. You sure nobody is in? I called on the house phone before we came up. I think this key will fit. Hey, how did you get a key? I remember to make an impression of the lock after that beating last evening. There. There, we're in. <laughs> nobody here, all right. Shut the door, Louie, and lock it. Okay. What are you looking for, Mr. Templer? The truth, Louie. As my friend Philip Marlowe would say, crime detection is an adventure in search of the hidden truth. Going to find the hidden truth looking out that window on the fire escape? Perhaps, Louie, perhaps. Mr. Templer, somebody's at the door. Hey, Louie, I'll handle this. If I need help, I'll... If you need help, we're in trouble. Good morning, Miss Courtney. What are you doing here? Come in, Diane. Miss Courtney, my good friend Louie. Oh, charmed. Uh, you want I should leave, Mr. Templer? No, we'll both be leaving in a minute, Louie. Just as soon as we ask Miss Courtney some questions, she probably won't answer. What questions? Like who killed Lefty Miller? I don't know. I, I thought it was suicide. You see, Louie? Who's the fixer, Diane? I, I can't tell you. I, I'm afraid. Saint, if you believe me, if you'd help me. Why are you working on Phil Miller to throw a ball game? Why? I can't tell you. They... they I'm frightened. Look, I don't care how frightened you are. A man's been killed. Why? I, I can't. I, I'm afraid. The lady's afraid. Come on, Louie. Let's go back to the ballpark and see if we can throw a few curves. <laughs> Mr. Bush, as manager of the Blue Sox, you must have known Lefty Miller fairly well. Uh, not well, no. I manage the team, but you don't manage an old pro like Lefty. You just tell him what time the game is and... Uh, 
He does the rest. Yes. From what I saw of him, though, he, he was a good guy. I'm sorry. How's Phil taking it? Well, it's hard to tell about kids. He and Lefty weren't close. Well, maybe you knew that. Yes, I knew that. But it's hard to tell just how he was taking it. Tonight's his turn to pitch, and I told him, of course, I'd start somebody else, but no. He's going to pitch tonight? Insisted on it. Said he had it. He'll pitch. Do you think he should? Well, he's the best we got. And I might get a phone call tomorrow telling me he's sold to the major leagues. Anytime he wants to pitch, he'll pitch. Mr. Bush, have you heard any rumors about a fix on your ball club? Oh, Mr. Templer, there's always rumors around any kind of sport. I've never been in a phony ball game, and as far as I know, I've never seen one. So I don't listen to rumors. Thanks, Mr. Bush, and uh, good luck tonight. To you and Phil both. to now, Mr. Templer? I want to go see a bookmaker, Louis. Sam the Spender. Do you know him? Sure, I know him. Biggest bookie in town. Place down on State Street, only a block or two down the street. Got something good in Hollywood Park? No, Louis. You want something good? Thanks, but no, this is different. I did a favor for Sam once. He might be able to return it. Sam retains anything but money. One time I had a three-horse parley going against him. First two come in, the third is leading into the street. Hey, Louis, isn't this the place? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Now wait for me here, Louis. It won't be long. Sure, Mr. Temple. Hello, Sam. How's business? Simon Templer, glad to see you. What can I do for you? Information, Sam. Which will go no further than... And Simon Templer. We in business. Say, do you handle any baseball money, Sam? Nah, nah. In the East, it's big business. All bet on the major leagues. Out here, peanuts. Have you handled or heard of any bets lately on the Blue Sox or against them? Against him, yeah, only yesterday. Funny deal, too. Care to tell me about it? Yeah, sure. A big creep comes in with $200 to bet against his socks in the game tonight. I don't like the smell of it. Nah. I tell him, nah. Then the creep tells me what's wrong with me is that I had an emotionally insecure childhood. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> Go on, Sam. Then he does a funny thing. He give me an extra 200 to pay you off if he win the bet. <laughs> Imagine that. And if the socks win... I get to keep the whole 400. <laughs> the guy's nuts. I can't lose. The best he can do is break even. Where's the payoff, Sam, if the Sox lose? In room 808, the region, tonight after the game. Do you get it, Sam? I'm beginning to. Hmm? Lefty Miller was right. Dirty money has a smell to it, and I'm beginning to smell it. Thanks, Sam. Anytime, Saint. See you soon? Maybe tonight. Tonight? I hope so, Saint. Nothing personal, Sam, but uh, I hope not. Good evening, Diane. Well, it's our old friend, Jack. Oh, how are you, Frankie? What is this room, Mr. Templer? Your home, away from home? Diane, let me throw the bum out. Easy, Frankie. Your aggressions are showing. Anything in particular you wanted, Saint. Frankie and I are busy. Yeah, I can see that. Busy packing. Too busy to go to the ball game tonight. Or did you know beforehand how it would come out? Let me throw the bum out. I hate schizophrenics. But he looks like such an interesting one, Frankie. And he's handsome, too. Why, right, Diane, you're not so frightened as you were. Well, I... It's all right. I won't tell the boss. Jack, you better get out of here. It ain't healthy. What's your trouble? You got a compulsion or something? No, it's just that when I start out on something, I like to be in on the payoff, and tonight's the payoff. 
The game should be over by now, and the people will be arriving. I'll be the host of our little party. You'll be host for a party of one in a wood box, Jack. Diane, shall I... Diane! It's a kid. Don't let him in, Frankie. Come in, Phil. Hello, sweetie. Hello, Diane. Frankie? Yeah. Hello, Mr. Templer. Hello, Phil. Ball game over, honey? Yeah, it's over. How do you feel? Dirty. Oh, don't feel bad about it, sweetie. In a week or two, you'll forget all about it. Sit down, Phil. I've taken over the party. Let's all find out what games we've been playing. Diane, I'm getting an awful frustration listening to him. Let him talk. Thank you. Phil. Yes, Mr. Templer? What line did Diane use to get you to throw the game tonight? The fixer had something on her she was afraid of him, something would happen to her if you didn't do as he wanted? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. You know the real reason? Go on. Tell him, Jack. I will, Frankie. It was a trap for you, Phil. This outfit is big and smart. They're willing to make an investment and wait a while to cash in. It's too tough to get next to a major league player. You'll be up there this year or next. And when you get there, you'll do what the fixer tells you because there's a club over your head. Yeah? Yeah. A certain payoff you took in a hotel room at the region for throwing a game with the Blue Sox. You understand that? I understand. Your father found out about it. He had the room right over this one, 908, and he listened on the fire escape. He was seen from in here and he was killed. Then they took him back up the fire escape to his room and rigged the suicide. But they forgot to wash all the blood off the iron outside this window. You're going to listen to him, kid? He's an erotic. Diane, aren't you going to say something? I didn't have anything to do with it, honey. It, it was the fixer who did it. Yeah, I believed in the fixer, too, at first, Diane, until I came to your room the first time. Down the bar, you said you didn't know me. Up here, you told Frankie I was the saint. You made other slips tonight. So? So I know who the fixer is. Who is he? You mean, who is she? Fixer is a very beautiful woman, Diane. The fixer is you. What is this, a filibuster or something? Let's assume you're right, Mr. Templer. Where does it get you? Where does it change things? I'm turning you over to the police, and Frankie can hardly shoot both Phil and myself. He won't have to, just you. <clears throat> you underestimate me, Saint. We should have had more time alone together. Phil will do whatever I tell him in spite of what's happened. Won't you, sweetie? Will you, Phil? Diane, I... See? I made sure of Phil, Saint. I made sure of him first. He'll crawl on his hands and knees if I tell him to. Because if he doesn't, I might stop being nice to him. And he couldn't stand that. <laughs> you should have thought of that, Saint. You got a mental block or something? Finish with Mr. Templer, Frank. We've got to finish packing. This gun says get over to the window, Saint. This time there won't be no blood in the fire escape. Just a lot on the sidewalk. Pretty messy that way, Frankie. Your subconscious will hate you. I won't look down. Now... You're going over to the window quieter. Phil, sit down. Stand back, kid. I ain't playing with this thing. Phil, I told you Keep to sit back. down. Watch out, Phil. He's going to... You killed my father. You... Give me that gun, Frankie, or I'll break your wrist. I'll kill you. No, you won't, Frankie. Think what your analyst would say. And this makes us even. Oh, Frankie, Frankie. Phil, Phil how, how bad is it? <laughs> not, not bad. Just my arm. But not my pitching arm. Oh, good. Why, you... Diane, stand still. Better go for the police, Phil. Can you make it? Yeah, yeah, I can make it. And, Phil, thanks. What you did makes up for the game. We'll figure out that later. Uh, about Dad, Saint. He did all he could to protect you, Phil. Yeah, he... He did like me then. More than anything else he told me. You better leave. I want you out of here before that bookie shows up to pay off. Uh, Mr. Templer, he won't be showing up, I... I didn't lose the game tonight. 
Tell me more, Phil. I pitched a three-hit shutout. I figured it was the least I could do for Lefty. Kid's gonna be all right, Mr. Temple? Phil will be all right, definitely. You know, I can't blame him for getting tangled up with that Diane. Now, there is real aged-in-the-wood stuff. She won't be quite as attractive when she gets out, Louie. Twenty years does something to a woman. Should have seen what it done to my wife and she was no prize to begin with. What do you think was wrong with Diane, Mr. Temple? An emotionally insecure childhood? <laughs> You've been talking to Frankie. I think Diane felt an urge to corrupt, Louie, to... Feel power. Revenge, perhaps, for something hidden in her past. It might have been her childhood. Might have been society. So, now society exacts further toll. Twenty years. Uh, I feel like a drink, Louie. Where to, Mr. Templer? Back to the Regent. I've got a scotch waiting for me at the bar. have been listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Tonight's script of The Saint was written by Dick Powell. Our cast tonight included Gloria Blondell, Jack Moyles, Hal March, Ed Max, Bob Clark, and Larry Dobkin. The music was composed and conducted by Von Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Sathier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Val Brown. That's Vincent Price in the baseball murder on The Saint from September the 3rd, 1950. Next, the clock strikes 12 for murder at midnight after these words. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. This is Christopher Lee welcoming you back to Mystery Theater. Now, for the bone-chilling drama, Island of the Dead on Murder at Midnight. judgment myself <laughs> 15 years I've been thinking about this dreaming about it my fingers around your throat digging into that flabby windpipe of yours tighter and tighter till you stop struggling and Now, I've got a nice grave all ready and waiting for you. Right next to your friend. in just a moment in tonight's story, The Island of the Dead. And now our story, The Island of the Dead, an original radio play by one of radio's best-known mystery writers, Robert Newman. The story of a dead man who came back. It's a small island, flat and barren, lying in the middle of the river. And it's truly an island of the dead, for it's the city's potter's field. It's here that the nameless dead are buried. Those who have no relatives to claim them, those who are too poor to pay for burial elsewhere. At one end of the island is the pier, where the city launch docks. At the other end of the island... In the midst of the shallow graves, the squat stone building where the watchman lives. It's 11.30 at night now, 
He's sitting in the office, reading a paper and listening to the river sounds when... Who's there? Who's that? I said, who's there? Who the devil are you? What do you want? I think that this is where I was supposed to come. What do you mean? Hey, wait a minute. Are you the new relief man? My name is Simon. I'm Hallity. From now on, lay off that stuff, will you? This place is bad enough without you spooking around. Not answering when someone talks to you. Bad? The crying bells, you know what the job is, don't you? Receiving the stiffs that they send out. Keeping the records and digging the graves. You'd be all alone. Except for Joe, the guy that runs the launch up at the other end of the island. He only comes out when he has to. Yes, I know. Well, I'll go change me shirt and blow. I didn't think they were going to be able to get a relief man until next week. I'm sure glad you got out here tonight. This place was really starting to get me down. And I'll be out in a couple of minutes. I'm going right now. Uh, I'd, I'd be back tomorrow night. Unless I decide not to come back at all. Hey, wait a minute, Harry. I don't get it. Who are you talking about? And when did I see him? The new relief man. Just came out about a half hour ago. You must have seen him. This is the only way you can get out to the island. That's why I don't get it. If anybody did come out to the island... I'd be bound to see him. But no one did. Not tonight. What? What do you mean? I mean, I only made one trip out tonight. I didn't have no passengers. At least not live ones. All I brought out was a stiff. Alec Marsh, the attorney. Attorney? Well, I used to be one, but I haven't practiced law in over ten years. Who's this? This is the watchman of the city cemetery out on Channel Island. I'd appreciate it very much if you'd come out here immediately. Come out there? In the middle of the night? What for? To identify a body. To, to what? Uh, what makes you think that I can identify it? I have reason to believe that you are one of the few people who can identify it. It's quite urgent. If you take the launch at River Street, I'll meet you at this end. Will you do it? Well, I don't know. It's a funny business. 
right away. Is it much further to the island? Nope. You can't see it because of the fog, but it's just right ahead there. Is this something new? Getting people to go out to the island to identify bodies? Don't they usually do it down at the morgue? Yeah, mostly, but I once in a while I get some dope after the body's been shipped out to the island. Oh. Well, I don't like it, any part of it. Getting a man out in the middle of the night. This trip, especially with a river like this, not being able to see anything. Just the whistles and the foghorns. And then landing there on the island where... No, oh, for two cents, I'd go right back with you. Not go ashore at all. Well, here we are. Just let me make a fast. Okay. Well? We getting off? I... I don't know. I, I'll tell you what. The man that phoned said he'd meet me. I, uh... I'll go up to the end of the dock. If he's not there, I'll come back. Okay. Mr. Marsh? Uh, yes? Was it you who phoned me? Yes. Will you follow me, please? This way. Uh, how the dickens can you see where you're going when it's so dark? You get used to it. Just as you get used to anything. As a matter of fact, it's probably just as well that it is so dark. Why? It couldn't be worse even in daylight when you can see the graves. But how did you happen to call me on this business anyway? I told you. Because you're one of the very few people who can be of any help. Weren't you the attorney for the defense in this Sloan case? Sloan? Sloan? I can't remember. I... <gasps> Simon Sloan. Yes. I... I'm not sure. If, if I was, it was a long time ago. More than 15 years. But you should remember. Yes. Yes, I think I was. He was convicted on a charge of murder in the second degree and got 20 years. With time off for good behavior, he's probably out now and... and... Wait a minute. Is that who you want me to identify? Is he dead? Here we are. Watch the step going in. Well, what are you waiting for? Aren't you going to put on the light? No, not yet. Well, what was that? The door. You you locked the door. What's the idea? What, what are you trying to do? That's just so we won't be disturbed. Disturbed? Well, who's going to disturb us? I insist you put on the light. Open that door immediately. We were talking about the Sloan case. You admitted that you were the attorney for the defense. Do you feel that you did a good job of defending him? How do I know? How do you expect me to remember? The fact that he was convicted doesn't mean that it was my fault. Besides, what's that got to do with you? Did you think that he was guilty? How do I know what I thought? What difference does it make? He, he pleaded guilty. He wasn't guilty. He didn't want to plead guilty. Who made him change his plea? I did, so what? Very well. There. Where is... You. It's... It's you. You're Simon Sloan. 
dead man on the island of the dead. Three waiting graves. As the clock moves steadily towards the witching hour, prepare yourself for... from murder at midnight after this. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Murder at Midnight. And now, to go on with the story of the Island of the Dead. Just a moment later, there is silence in the small bare room as Marsh stares at the strange figure that stands opposite him. And slowly, his face pale and drawn sinks into a chair. You, you you shouldn't have done this to me. I told you I'm not well. I, I've got a bad heart. Why did you do what you did to me? Why did you make me change my plea to guilty? I I had to. Why? Because because Donna, the district attorney, made me. He wanted the conviction to build up his record. And he had something on me. An attempted bribery in another case. What are you going to do to me? I, I've got to get away from here. I'm a sick man, I tell you. I... I'm not going to do anything to you. You can go now. If you can. There. The door's open. Why? Why are you looking at me like that? You, you think I can't take it, don't you? And that's why you're letting me go. Well, I'll show you. I'll show you. I just have to take it easy and... No, I didn't think you would make it. That is why I'm not angry at you. Now I have a place for you. Right outside here. For you and for some others, too. Mr. Donner? Yes, who's this? This is the watchman at the city cemetery out on Channel Island. We have a body out here that we'd very much like you to look at. A body? What for? We think that possibly you may be able to identify it. And what makes you think that? Well, after all, you were district attorney for several years. What? Uh, Why, I haven't been DA for... 
What's that got to do with it? It may have a great deal to do with it. Will you come? The launch leaves from the foot of River Street. Yes, yes, uh, yes, I know. Something very strange about this, but... All right, I'll come. There'll be someone to meet me at the other end. Yes, Mr. Donner. I'll meet you. I'll be waiting for you. Is it usual to have someone try and identify a body when it's already in a grave? Although it's very unusual. But this was a rather special case. I'm sorry I haven't any flashlight, but I do have a pen. There. Good. Good Lord. Then you do know him? Yes. Yes, I know him. His name is Marsh. Alec Marsh. He was disbarred about ten years ago. When did he die? About an hour ago. But but that's impossible. He, he couldn't have gotten here so quickly. Uh, not if he was dead. But when he came here, he was still alive. I, I don't understand. Why should he have come out here in the first place? Well, because I phoned him. I asked him to come out. Just as I asked you to come out. You see, I wanted to talk to him about this Simon Sloan case. The, the Sloan case? But what? How? Wait a minute. Lift that candle up. You, you're Sloan. Yes, Donna. I'm Sloan. What's left of him after 15 years in jail? You're the man who sent me there when you knew I wasn't guilty. You can't blame me for that. After all, it was my job to prosecute. And when I did find out the truth... You did find it out, eh? When I did, it was too late. You'd already been convicted and sent up, but I, I, I've got to get away from here. Let me go. No. No, Doc. Not yet. There are a few more things you're going to tell me first. How did you find out I wasn't guilty? The, the detective in the case told me. A chap named Richard. Bill Richard. Richard. Yes, it would be Richard. After you found out the truth, you could have ordered a new plan and gotten me out. But you didn't. You let me stay there and lock. No, 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 I, I couldn't. It was just Richard's word. He said he wouldn't testify. You're lying, Donna. You know you're lying. You know it won't do you any good. But this time I'm going to pass judgment. Myself. I've been thinking about this, dreaming about it. My fingers around your throat, digging into that flabby windpipe of yours. Tighter and tighter until you stop struggling and. Now I've got a nice grave, all ready and waiting for you. Over here, right next to Marsh. And one more for our friend Richard. Just so we get out? Yes. Now you wait right here for us, Joe. I feel it's a few hardier, Will. Sure, I've had my belly full. What a night. Well, look who's talking. Me, I've got to go traipsing all over this bloody island just because your friend here comes into the station house with a story nobody believes except the captain. We're crying bells, Richards. You think I made it up? What about those two other guys Joe said he brought out here? What about those three graves this guy Simon was digging? Well, where are they? Did you dream them up, too? I didn't dream anything up, Richards. They're right over here. <laughs> 
Hmm. They do look like graves. I got a match here someplace. Let's take a look at them. Good. Oh, there's a body in this one. And in this one here, too. I see them. This one here looks like... What is Marsh? Alec Marsh. And that's John Donner. Well, now am I crazy? Now was I making things up? Shut up. This guy that came out here. He said his name was Simon? Yes. Was he, uh, let's see. He must be about 50, 55 now. Probably looks older. Tall, thin face, gray hair. That's right, that's him. You know him. Yeah, I know him. Look, I was ribbing you before, but that man's dangerous. Killer. I'm going to stay here and try and find him. They'll probably need help. You and Joe take the launch back to shore, get hold of the captain, and have him send out three or four more men. Fast. Okay, it's just right away. Sloan. Sloan. Where are you? I know it's you. And you know you can't get away. Ah, that building. Went in there, huh? One of us got a gun. Now, we'll see. Take him up, Sloan. I'll let you have it. Reach, you hear me? Yes, Richard. I hear you. Put on the light. There isn't any light in here. But I've got a candle. Just a second. Oh. It really is you. I heard you were out of stir, and I was sure it was as soon as I saw Marsh and Donner out there. You killed him, didn't you? Yes, I killed him. <laughs> this is really funny. I'd like to hear someone now say there isn't such a thing as fate. Yes, it is funny. I tried to get you on the phone just the way I did Marsh and Donner. But of course I couldn't. Then you come out here on your own. You thought you'd get me too, huh? Well, that's okay. I tried to get you... And I would have if that jury hadn't gone so panty-waste and given you just 20 years. You know that it was me that framed you, don't you? Yes. I know it. I just don't know why. Why? Because I've always hated you, that's why. I was just a flatfoot and you were a gambler pulling in big dough. I never could touch you on the level. That's why I hated you. That's why I framed you. No. I didn't get you then 15 years ago. But I've got you now. Have you, Richard? I guess maybe you ought to look around. See where we are. Hmm? What do you mean? We're in the room where they keep the stiffs until they're buried. Kind of an icebox. And if you'll notice, there's no handle on this side of the door. That means there's no way of getting out. What? Why, you... So What? Someone will be along sooner or later. Well, when anyone does, it'll be too late. Because that door is airtight. That means that as soon as we use up the air that's in here now, we're finished. Both of us. And it's starting to get bad already. See it? I mean, you... You trapped me. You got me in here deliberately. Well, you won't get away with it. released me. 
I must have passed out in the street last night, and my heart was so bad that they thought I was dead. They sent me out here for burial. But I wasn't dead. I couldn't die until I even things up. On the boat, they waited till they put me ashore. I've done it. Gotten all three of you. No. No, no. There must be some way out. Some... <clears throat> the, the smoke. I, I can't breathe. No, it is. again when death stalks the wicked as the clocks strike twelve for murder at That's Raymond Morgan on Murder at Midnight in Island of the Dead from May the 5th, 1947. Next, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Now Agnes Moorhead stars in this gripping tale, Uncle Henry's Rosebush on Suspense. Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Our starring Hollywood cast of characters reads as follows for tonight. As Aunt Julie, one of those stark, severe, and terrifying women who is encountered ever so often along the grimmer outposts of the American countryside, Miss Agnes Moorhead. As Carol Linden, the girl who returned to a scene of childhood happiness and found terror living in the house, Miss Ellen Drew. As Paul, Carol's husband, who had his own ideas as to the explanation of these strange events, Mr. Ted Reed. 
A first radio play by Larry Roman called Uncle Henry's Rosebush is tonight's tale of suspense. If you have been with us before, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with Uncle Henry's Rosebush and the performances of Agnes Moorhead as Aunt Julie, Ellen Drew as Carol, and Ted Reed as Paul, we again hope to keep you in suspense. I shall tell you the story exactly as it happened. There's no use pretending. I'll never forget, and I know I'll not awake and find it all a dream. It's real, and for the rest of my life, I shall know it's real. Paul was to have his first vacation since we were married. I suggested we visit my Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry, who had a small farm upstate. They had always been very kind to me. When I was a child, I used to spend my summer vacations with them. They loved children. I've often wondered why they never had any of their own. Some time ago, I'd lost track of them. They'd never seen Paul, and I was certain they'd like to. Paul said it would be fine. We'll surprise them, I thought. We were the ones who were surprised. Just a few more miles, Paul. I remember this road. We used to hike along it going to the village. Ah, this country air is wonderful. Two weeks of green grass and wicker chairs. I can't think of anything better. Oh, you'll love Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry. They live alone, quiet and peaceful. It'd be quite a change from the city. Yeah. Well, they must be happy together. Oh, they are, but they're lonely. Smooth lawns and orchards. And flowers. Uncle Henry planted huge rose bushes around the porch. Every night as I crawled in the bed, he used to bring me a rose. They're his favorite flowers. Ah, vacation, here we come. Come on, car, let's go. Just around the bend. Here we go. There it is. Carol, look. Why, Paul. Are you sure this is the place? Yes, but all the weeds and the broken shutters. Looks as though it's been neglected for months. I don't understand. Perhaps it's deserted. But it can't be. It's their home. Well, come on. Let's go up and see. Uh, The dirt on this porch must be an inch thick. Nobody here. Look, Paul, over there at the end of the porch. The rose bush. Uncle Henry's rose bush. Why, it's trimmed and neat. It's the only thing that seems to be taken care of. Well, then somebody must be here. Maybe they can tell us what happened to Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry. Knock again. Mm -hmm. Someone's coming. Well? We're looking for a Mr. and Mrs. Connors. They used to live... Why, Aunt Julie, I didn't recognize you. But it's me, Aunt Julie. It's it's Carol. I wasn't expecting you. Paul's vacation. We thought we'd spend it here. Well, you've been asking for us for years. This is Paul, my husband. Carol's told me so much about you. Why did you come? What? I said, why did you come? Well, aren't you glad to see us? Aunt Julie, something's happened. 
Nothing's happened. Oh, but it did. Tell me, Aunt Julie, we'll help. Well, of course we will. You shouldn't have come. Well, Carol, if she doesn't want us, let's go. No, Paul. This isn't like you, Aunt Julie. Something dreadful has happened, I know. Go, Carol, please go. Listen, if it's money, Aunt Julie, well... Well, we haven't got too much, but you're welcome to I tell you, nothing's wrong. Oh, but there must be. This house... You're her husband. I'm asking you to take her and go away. Oh. Come on, Carol. We're not wanted. Let's go. We're going to stay. Well, there you are. She's your niece, and you know how stubborn she can be. We're going to stay. Where's Uncle Henry? I say, where's Uncle Henry? He's... He's not here. Oh, but where is he? He's not here. Isn't that enough? What'll he be back? He won't be. Oh, but Aunt Julie... He won't ever be back! Aunt Julie had run out of the room. Perhaps she was crying. I don't know. I just knew that Uncle Henry was gone. He had left her. It seemed strangely impossible. They'd always been so happy. So supremely happy that it seemed that the only thing that could separate them on this earth was... Death. And now this. I couldn't believe it. Paul and I walked into the living room. It was almost as dusty as the outside. The curtains were dirty, the floor littered with old newspapers. The entire room showed the same signs of neglect as the outside. And when I recalled how neat Aunt Julie had always been with her housework, a feeling of apprehension crawled up my back. Frankly, I was frightfully worried, and and I could tell by the look on Paul's face that he was worried, too. I don't like it, Paul. There's something strange here. Yeah. I never saw a house in such a mess. It's not just the house. It's more than that. Something much more. I'm sure of it. Well, really, Carol, it's none of our business, don't you? Well, perhaps not, but you don't know Aunt Julie like I do. She'd never ask for help, no matter how much she needed it. I'm just not... Trying, Paul. I suppose you're right. They've always been so kind to me. I've got to help them. But how can we, Carol? We don't even know what's wrong. They were always so happy together. Somehow I can't believe they've broken up. Something else has happened. Something terrible. And I'm going to stay until I find out what. (laughs) Well, in that case, we'd better find a place to sleep. All the bedrooms are upstairs. Come on. Right. Well... The dust on the banister. I bet this place hasn't been cleaned in a month. Paul. Huh? Did you see the way she looks? Yeah. Gee, her face seems completely wrinkled with worry. No wonder I didn't recognize her. She seems much older and, and frightened. Well, do you think she's ill? I don't know. I wish I did. Well, look at that hall. Gloomy and dirty. Uh, where do these doors go to? That one's to Aunt Julie's room, and this one's Uncle Henry's. The one across the way is the spare. I guess that's ours. Well, let's go in. Wow. What a mess. Well, might as well get busy cleaning. Yeah, there's nothing like a good round of house cleaning before supper. Paul, so long as Uncle Henry's not here, maybe we can take his room. It's got an adjoining door to Aunt Julie's, and... And in case she needs us, we'll be near. Okay. It doesn't matter to me which room we clean. Let's go. Yeah. This one over here. Well, this is... Oh, look. It's... it's all clean and neat. Well, I'll be darned. It's the only clean place in the whole house. I don't understand. 
Every room is inches in dirt, except this one. The outside is completely neglected. Except the rose bush. Uncle Henry's room and Uncle Henry's rose bush. I don't get it. Well, look, uh, on the dresser there. Aunt Julie's picture and a pipe and tobacco. Why, that's Uncle Henry's favorite pipe. Drawers full of shirts, socks, underwear. Cal, if your uncle went away, why did he leave this? I don't know. Strange, but... What's that paper, Paul? Why, it looks like... It is an, an insurance policy for $30,000 payable to your Aunt Julie in case Uncle Henry dies. Carol, what this is... What are you is... two doing here? Uh, Aunt Julia. What are you doing to... here? Well, we thought that What's we that did... in your hand? An insurance... Get to me. But I... And keep out of this room. Well, we didn't need any I didn't know how to take this. Uncle Henry's pipe and all his clothes were still in his room. And yet, Uncle Henry was gone. I couldn't understand why Aunt Julie got so angry. I looked to Paul for an explanation. I could tell he had something on his mind, but I didn't dare ask him what it was, and he didn't say. After Aunt Julie's outburst, we went back to the spare room and cleaned it. Then we washed and started downstairs for supper. Watch your step, Carol. These aren't the strongest-looking stairs. It'll be all right. Paul, what do you make of Aunt Julie's behavior? Frankly, Carol, I'm worried. I'm frightened. May as well admit it. Something strange here that frightens me to death. Well, I, I don't think there's anything to be frightened of. It's just that... Oh, there, that's the last step. This way to the kitchen. Right. Oh, as I was saying, I, I don't think there's... Look out, Carol! <laughs> well, that was close. That vase just missed you. A vase? Yes, and it was a heavy one. The one at the top of the stairway. It would have hit me. Yeah. Oh, Paul, I'm frightened. Look, coming down the stairs. What happened? The vase fell. Just missed Carol. Oh, don't worry about it. I didn't like the vase anyway. The vase? What about Carol? She almost got killed. Never mind, Paul. It was an accident. An accident? We were just going in for supper, Aunt Julie. Care to join us? Well, I... Come on, Aunt Julie. It'll do you good. Oh, all right. Here. You two sit right down. I'll have something prepared in a minute. I'm not very hungry. Oh, nonsense, Aunt Julie. I'll, I'll fix something that'll make your mouth water. You know, when, uh, when Carol and I get through cleaning this place up, it'll look just like you. Yeah? Sure. I, I think when Carol and I have a family, we'll take them to a farm. Really? Yes, yes. You know, this, this place would be swell for children. Oh, I... What do you mean? Uh, what? Oh. <laughs> what did I say? What's the matter? What's the matter with Aunt Julie? Where's she going? I don't know. I, I was just trying to make conversation. Just talked about children on a farm, that's all. Oh, Paul, I'm frightfully worried. Do you think we ought to call a doctor for her? I don't know. We have to do something. She certainly doesn't look too well. But maybe she isn't really sick. What do you mean? Well, maybe if your Uncle Henry did leave her, well, then maybe... You mean, you mean she still loves him? It's possible, but... Oh, but you don't really believe it. Oh, Carol, I don't know what to believe. I just know something's wrong. Uh-huh. I'm not hungry, Paul. Me either. Let's go for a walk. Maybe we can figure something out. Yeah, the country's so peaceful and... Beautiful in the night. Yes, it is. 
I wish you could enjoy it. But I can. Oh, don't try to fool me. First vacation in years, and you run into this. Well, we have to help her. Of course. But how? Yes, we don't even know what's wrong. She not only won't tell, but we can't get near her long enough to talk to her. Suppose Uncle Henry really did leave her. He may have gone off in a huff. That would account for the clothes being here. Well, perhaps. And, and suppose she still is in love with him. Well, that would account oh, for... But even if that's so, could that make her feel so badly? Make her act like this, not, not talking, neglecting everything? Everything except his room and his flowers. I don't know. A woman's love is a strange thing. You left me, I... Well, I don't know what I'd do. Well, if that is the case, the thing to do is to make her forget. That won't be easy. No, I don't imagine it would be. But suppose... Suppose we take her to the city with us until she forgets. Well, we could ask her at least. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Let's go find her. Oh. Hey, watch out. Oh. You almost fell. I tripped. I'm all right. Let's... Look, Paul. What? Look what I tripped over. It's a mound of freshly dug earth. Well, what's that for? Paul. Paul, it looks like a, a grave. Oh, don't be silly. Why, it's just a, a... Forget it. Come on, let's find Aunt Julie. Paul, that... Forget it. Say, uh... What's that building over there? That's the barn. There used to be a swell old cow there with a bell around her neck and chickens and ducks and all sorts of pets. Yeah, this must have been a happy place. It was, but now... Paul, standing by the barn, it's Aunt Julie. Come on, let's ask her now. Aunt Julie, what you two doing? Following me? How could you? Well, it was a nuisance. Oh, Aunt Julie. Oh, a cat with its neck wrung. This was the first indication of Aunt Julie's ruthlessness. She was always kind. There was no mistaking the anger in her eyes as she stood there in the dim moonlight, the strangled cat in her hands. She killed it, she said, because it was a nuisance. If she could do that, what else was she capable of doing? Paul and I went into the house. We went upstairs and put the finishing touches in our room and went to bed. I couldn't sleep. As I watched the moon make its slow, solitary way across the heaven, I kept thinking... Paul and I are also a nuisance. Toward midnight, I became drowsy and was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I, I heard footsteps in the hall. Paul. What? Uh, Paul. Paul, wake up. Uh, oh, what is that? Shh. I hear footsteps in the hall. Footsteps. I don't hear anything. There. Hear it? Yeah. Must be Aunt Julie. Oh, what, what, what would she be doing up this time of night? I don't know, but who else could it be? Well, I'll go see. I'm coming with you. Now, quiet. Don't put on the light. It is Aunt Julie. She's walking down the hall. I think she's coming this way. Quiet. Shh. I think she's... What's she got in her hand? Looks like a scissors. Scissors? Yes. What would she be doing with... Carol, she's coming this way. <gasps> Get back in bed, quick. What? Get in bed. 
All right, now, quiet. She went out. What? Yeah. She just looked in and left. You think she knew we were awake? I don't see how. Let's follow her. All right. Where's my other slipper? Ah, there. All right, come on. She's going downstairs. Come on, and be quiet. I think she's going outside. Let's go. Not so fast. Give her a chance to get out. There, she's out. Come on. Look, Paul. She's cutting a bunch of roses off the bush. She's taking them around to the back of the house. Come on. Here. Now get down behind this bush. Look! Oh! She's going over to that... that mound and placing the roses on it. Oh! Shh! Paul, it... it looks like... Quiet, Carol. She's kneeling beside it. Now she's getting up. Coming back. Get down. She's gone. Paul, do you know what that is? I got a pretty good idea. Uncle Harry's roses with... Uncle Harry's grave. I said it. I said it without thinking. Of course, we had no way of knowing Uncle Henry was dead. We had no way of knowing that that was Uncle Henry's grave or that it was a grave at all. But at that moment, stooping behind the bush in the blackness of the country... We felt it, not knowing why. Paul and I went back to our room as quickly and as silently as possible. Needless to say, we didn't sleep anymore. We just kept looking at each other, asking ourselves questions, trying to analyze our feelings. Soon we could see the streaks of dawn coming up over the treetops. We slept the early morning hours trying to... trying to convince each other that our thoughts were ridiculous. Frankly, I don't think we succeeded. Finally, we decided not to mention it. To go on with the cleaning the next day as we'd planned. To make believe nothing had happened until we had proof. That day we spent cleaning and all day Aunt Julie was nowhere to be seen. Yet I had a strange feeling that something, someone was watching our every move. Toward evening, Paul and I sat down for a bite to eat. More coffee? Oh, thanks. I wonder where Aunt Julie is. I don't know, Carol. That's a strange aunt you've got. Yes. Oh, look. The window. What is it? Oh, I thought I saw someone looking in. What? There's no one there now. But I, I'm sure I saw... Probably just a shadow. Yes. Probably just a shadow. You're on edge, Carol. I'll be all right. Finish your coffee. I'll start cleaning the bathroom. We'll both work on the kitchen. That I'll take care of the downstairs. All right. Paul, you look worried. You know, this this whole crazy business. Let's not talk about it. But putting roses on a... I'm sorry, Carol. It's you I'm really worried about. If if something should happen to you, I'll never forgive myself. Nothing will happen. I'll finish your coffee. I'll start cleaning the bathroom. Okay, Carol. I won't be long. Too bad. There's the sink. Some hot water. There, that's it. 
wash rag around the sink bowl. wind. Yes, I'm getting jumpy. Mm -hmm. This place won't be half bad when it's clean. Uh, the medicine chest. Clean the mirror. Shelves. Oh. Uh, Paul. Paul. What is it, Carol? Come here. What is it, Carol? What's the matter? Look. Here in the medicine chest. Where? It's a hypodermic needle. What would a hypodermic needle be doing here? Well, it's not likely to be here for nothing. Look, alongside of it. A bottle of... What's it say? I... I can't read it. It's awful-looking stuff. Open the bottle. All right. That cork's in tight. There, there. Oh, nauseating. <laughs> stuff like that would kill a person. Well, it's not a joke. I'm sorry, Carol. Do you really think Aunt Julie... I don't know. Oh, it can't be, Paul. It can't be. Maybe not, but we better find out. And quickly, Carol, there's one more thing to do. I'm going to see if that's really Uncle Henry's grave. I'm going to dig it up. But, Paul, you can't. Don't you see? I have to. If it is, we're in danger. Oh, of course. I'm still not sure that falling vase was an accident. We have to find out about this business once and for all. Well, I'm coming with you. And through my mind flashed the succession of events. A neglected house, Aunt Julie's insistence that we leave. The roses, the grave, the insurance policy, and now the hypodermic needle and that infernal oil. All the evidence pointed to but one conclusion. I couldn't believe it, and yet, there it was. Motive and method. And now we were going outside to dig up the last remaining evidence. Well, this is it, Cal. Sure you want to watch? I won't stay in this house alone. Look at the beautiful roses around it. Oh, hurry up, Paul. Let's get it over with. Okay. Here goes. I never thought I'd turn into a grave digger. This dirt isn't packed tight. Easy to dig. It's getting dark. Yeah. Well, I think I'll run in and get a lantern. I'll be right back, Carl. All right. Every one of those lengthening shadows looked like a ghost. It gets dark quickly in the country. I was afraid, but I knew Paul would be back in a minute. I picked up the shovel and began to dig. Oh, there. That's better. That's so nervous. I'm working. Is that you behind me, Paul? Bring the lantern closer. Gee, it's so dark. Paul. Paul, I... Ah! Look at Henry! What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to my grave? Put it back. Put it back. Oh, my flowers, my beautiful flowers, my lovely roses. You've hurt them. You've hurt my roses, and I won't let you. I won't. I won't. Keep away. Keep away, Uncle Henry. I won't Henry. let you hurt my roses. My sweet, delicate roses. Take your hands away. Take them. Oh. Oh. You broke them. Oh. You killed them. Stop it. Stop it, I'm going to kill her Stop just it. as she did my roses. Stop it. Take your hands away. Kill her. Henry. Kill her. Henry. Henry. Oh. Are you all right, Carol? Yes. Oh. Yes, I think so. What happened? What? Oh. Uncle Henry? Aunt Julie saved my life, Paul. We thought she... 
Oh, can you ever forgive us, Julie? You didn't know. And you he didn't wasn't know. Dead at all? No. No, he wasn't. Oh, I don't understand. He was living in his room all the time, Carol. I was taking care of him. When you two insisted on staying here, I, I kept him out of sight. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to kill him, and I had to. He would have killed Carol. And Julie. Oh, if you only had left when I asked you to. But perhaps it's better this way. He never got that violent before. I could always take care of him. The hypodermic needle and the sedative calmed him when he got a little wild, but then, then when I saw him strangle a cat, I knew he was getting completely out of hand. Yes, it's, it's better this way. He's better off dead. <laughs> Poor Uncle Henry. The grave and the roses were a whim of his. <laughs> a whim. And look, he fell right in his own grave. And so closes the story, Uncle Henry's Rosebush, starring Agnes Moorhead, Ellen Drew, and Ted Reed. Tonight's tale of suspense. That's Agnes Moorhead in Uncle Henry's Rosebush on Suspense from June the 29th, 1943. In a moment, I'll tell you what's coming up on the next Mystery Theater. Be sure to join me next time on Mystery Theater when we'll hear Richard Diamond, Private Detective, The Shadow, and Michael Shane, Detective. This is your host, Christopher Lee, saying thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Mystery Theater with your host, Christopher Lee. The producers of Mystery Theater wish to thank this station and Radio Spirits for helping make this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is written by Dennis Etchison, Jim McCants speaking. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.